everybody. Welcome to another episode of History Unloaded with Danny and Ashley. And today we're going to talk about what don't we have in the collection and what we wish we had. Our wish list. Our wish list. Yeah, so we were talking about this earlier, what we wanted to talk about. And I brought this one up saying first, well, this will be kind of boring. (laughs) (laughs) What was that, Camila? Yeah, she actually does do that for a lot of episodes. I do. But, you know, it's because we get this question so often. Like, it's one of the first things we, we get, you know, is, and then I always feel like I get tripped up, too. Like, I know that when I say this in an interview, like a quick little, you know, interview at like a trade show or something, then the answer always is, well, what do you want, Ashley? And my answer is always, Pedersen device? (laughs) But there's more that we need than a Pedersen device. I started to try and write down a list one time, and then I went insane after, like, like, yeah. there's just no way to actually keep, like, a run. Like, we could probably do, like, a top 10 maybe, but even People that always ask me for a list, and they don't understand how hard that list is. Um, Everything. Is that an answer? Like, <laughs> um, You tell me, <laughs> yeah. and I'll tell you if I want it. Right. Uh, but it is true. I mean, so I guess the first one is the low-hanging fruit that I say in every interview. And when I said it in when we were talking about this topic, you were like, well, that was mine, <laughs> which is that we don't have a Pedersen device. Yeah, we do not have a Pedersen device. It would take most of whatever's left in our acquisition budget to get one and spending's kind of on hold right now um (laughs) but it would take like seriously they're expensive and we don't have one and they're a really cool piece of world war one tech but i think i saw one for like forty five thousand dollars, and i was like uh never mind I draw yeah. a picture. Yeah, well, we'll draw a picture in the gallery. Ashley's fridge art will go up <laughs> on one of the cases. Well, and I guess, I mean, that. let's let's back up. I got ahead of myself with, like, what we want. Let's explain why we would have a wish list. Because, like, everyone oh, thinks yeah. that we just have. That's probably a good idea. Like, I mean, how many times, like, a week do we get calls thinking that we just have unlimited money to right. buy things, you know, and, and how that works in, in our museum? Because it's different. Like, some museums do have money and right. some don't have any. And we're kind of in the middle. Yeah, and art museums especially have, like, a reputation for spending, like, millions and millions of dollars on to acquire, like, new paintings. It's crystal Bridges. Well, but art museums in general have that reputation. Crystal Bridges does it, but... Like, I think they might be, like, one of the few that actually can do it on the reg. But... For anyone who's not aware, Crystal Bridges is the art museum that's owned by the Walmart family. And... Mr. and Mrs. Walmart. Mr. and Mrs. Walmart. Um, (laughs) I'm not going to expand on that thought. Um, But I think that that view of museums doing that kind of thing has skewed into history museums, whereas history museums are not often nearly as well-funded as art museums or don't have the acquisition budget that art museums do. Um, And so then people, you know, we've heard all kinds of accusations. Like we're just like every auction, like we're showing up at the auction house, firearms auction house and just buying everything. Like I wish we were like that cool. Like if we were honestly that cool, like flying in on a jet and like, yeah, we want this row. Like that's our row. But what people don't realize is that's the auction houses. Like, Like, (laughs) yeah, like we, we cannot do that. We do not have that kind of money. So in the Cody Firearms Museum, we do have an acquisition budget. So and by and by acquisition budget, it's really just a fund of money that's built up over the years. Um, Camila is doing like like some kind of squat over to my left, and it's very distracting. Anyways, uh, <laughs> she's doing it again. Danny Maker, stop! I can't. I can't. Okay, acquisition fund. So it's actually not too bad. I mean, it's it's bigger than most of the museums here. And it's based, I mean, how did we get it? It's not like the museum gives us money every year for acquisition. It's 
people donating money, we deciding that we want to put it in acquisition or them saying we'd like to give to the acquisition budget. The problem with the acquisition budget is if you looked at it, you might go, oh, wow, you guys have, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. You can buy a lot of stuff. But what I try to explain to people is that doesn't get magically replenished. Like other people have to give money. And I've been curator for what, five and a half years now. And I haven't really seen it go up significantly since I've been here. We haven't actively fundraised for that because of the renovation. But, you know, once we spend that money, so if we say we spend $45,000 on a Patterson device that, you know, I can't, we can't have a guarantee that it would, you know, be replenished ever. And so we have to be very careful. So the money we've spent over the years have been on smaller kind of archival things that, you know, add supplement to what we already have in the collection. So we do have an acquisition fund. It's not a guaranteed replenishment. So we're very picky when we do use it because we don't have the guarantee of a future, you know, donor. I think the last gun we bought as we've only bought one gun as the museum since I've been here. And it was a pinfire revolver. You're right. The last thing we bought was a, was a, like a, would people, we'd say, and nobody would think that we would want that, like a right. pinfire revolver. Yeah, like it was nobody just, would think that we would want that. But we didn't have like. Including the man I bought it yeah, from. Yeah, <laughs> including the, the guy we bought it from. But it was one of those things where we had some examples that sort of told the story that we wanted to, but we didn't what have. What was any, that story, Danny? I'll let you tell that because you're the one that sought this out. It was uh, was seven millimeter, right? Yes. Okay, seven millimeter Lafayette revolver, which is allegedly the caliber of the Lafayette that allegedly Vincent Van Gogh shot himself with. Allegedly, allegedly in the chest. I thought he shot himself. No, he shot himself in the chest. Oh. The the story there. So that's the story. That one gun went up for auction. Um, but then there were those like writers that wrote something about they're arguing that he was actually murdered and not and didn't commit suicide. But yeah. So there's there's supposed so to be so that was a waste of money. <laughs> so there's supposed to be a real gun out there that like was the the revolver that killed him. Yeah, and it went to auction not too long ago. Um, we just wanted one that was a representative piece, um, and went out and bought a pinfire revolver for that specific purpose. And the other thing about so we talked about acquisition funds and that the money doesn't replenish. The other thing that's a big misconception that we get all the time is we'll just have one of your board members buy it for you. Yeah, that's that's another big one. It's like, oh, well, I know you guys might, because this is the way it always comes to me, is like, I know you might not be able to afford it as a museum. So they get like partway there, but then they're like, but I'm sure you can like talk to talk to somebody to buy it for you. I was like, those people that we could talk to are probably going to just buy it for themselves. Like, that's, yeah. a, that's a concern. And really, like, that's not necessarily how fundraising in the museum world works well we don't do it anymore because it's well not anymore for the cfm but i mean it used to be you know kind of okay but for a long time it's now considered more unethical just because you know you can't promise that board member that they're paying the value you know for it and then if they find out that you know they you paid a lot more for i mean it's just like it could just go so many different directions that are bad so we don't do that there's a lot of ways those kind of deals could go south in a hurry and it's yeah way easier to not delve into that. Yeah. So, you know, the moral of the story is we don't just have, you know, unlimited funds to buy whatever we want. And we know we can't just go and ask someone to buy it for us. That also is a gray area. So, you know, we have to be very choosy in what we purchase and smart with our money. But that also then means that we are kind of at the mercy for something rare to come across our desks in terms of don't don'ts. In terms of donors. 
I was about to say donations and loans. <laughs> Dones. Dones. Um, yes, that new museum category. But you- <laughs> I just made up a word like Danny. <laughs> <laughs> I've been good so far. You've been really good yeah, this season. He rubbed it off on, on me. It. I think that's the transition that you're about to become curator. So now you know all the words, and I can't speak any. <laughs> you can't speak any. No, no, none words. None words from Ashley. Um, I totally lost where we were at. Um, we don't have money. We poor. Oh, right, 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 right. Um, and so, yeah, so like we have this, we have a really extensive collection, but our goal is to have an encyclopedic collection. So if that's your goal, there's always going to be gaps. And, you know, we're reliant on donors, and the only reason our collection exists in the first place is because of whatever Winchester collected. And Winchester collected very broadly, but that wasn't everything. And that also means that our collection stopped when they stopped collecting. So we don't have a lot of modern stuff. Well, and if you think about it, with Winchester and other big collections that we have that belong to individuals, because Winchester is half, you know, an individual, basically, um, you know, then it's a history of what other people thought was historically significant. And that's the other, that's kind of touches on a point that we run into a lot is like people only offer us what they think should belong in a museum, not necessarily what we're looking for. So like a high point. For every, I did it. You did it. I for did every, it. like, well, we don't even really get offers on modern guns. Very rarely. I think people don't realize that we do actually want modern guns, but that's its own. We'll talk about contemporary collecting before we log off today. Right. But Side for, off, log off, film, filming. Camila hates that I. Camila hates that I say we film these podcasts. We don't at all. <laughs> so for every like modern gun that we get, we get like an offer on a hundred lever guns and percussion revolvers to donate. Like people want to give us their old Winchester, they want to give us their old Colt. They don't really think it to give us, you know, stuff made after 1950. Yeah. And they also, I mean, there's just, it's kind of disappointing for us because I was just telling a guy up in the gallery today that we turn away most of, you know, what comes in nowadays because we already have a lot of that. And then, then the next question is, so what do you need? So Danny, what do you need? Pedersen device. (laughs) The end. (laughs) The end. But no, we, I mean, we're, we're, we pretty weak on international. I, uh, I would like Actually, we're weak in areas that I don't think people would think we're weak. So, like, right. we have, you know, all of these companies represented in the museum. We have, like, three Walthers. That might be an exaggeration. It's not many. Yeah. We have, like, almost no Walthers. How many we have, HKs do we have? We have, like, almost no HKs. We've got almost no SIGs. Yeah, we have a handful of SIGs. And like, and, and I'm talking, like, old SIG, too, you know? Yeah. JP's uh, our own soon. Whoa. <laughs> Um, but like, we don't have a lot of SIGs. We, we are weak on the international, uh, companies. That's for sure. But it's fascinating to me because there are these really influential companies nowadays that have been around for a really long time, like Walther or SIG. And like, I'm shocked when we don't really have any Mossberg. Yeah. We have hardly any Mossberg. We have so many brownies, which was the first handgun and gun yeah, that Mossberg yeah, we have some made. of those. We have like three. <laughs> like it's it, that's a lot. I feel like, but we don't <laughs> that does have feel like a lot for those. <laughs> but we don't have a ton of Mossberg. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to think what other gun companies like we're really weak in. It's hard to ID like specific companies off the top of my head, but yeah, it, it's a number of European companies. It's stuff for like companies like we have Winchester really well represented 
like I said, to like 1960, but then we sort of start to drop off. And that's true for a couple other American makers. Like we have old Savage really well represented, but like modern Savage is not that well represented. Um, yeah, it, it's it's this sort of, it's weirdly hit or miss in the collection. Like some areas were ex- really extensive, like where we don't expect to be at all. Like if you think Winchester and having a really awesome World War II collection, yeah, you wouldn't think that, but we have a really good World War II collection. But yeah. In other areas where you think we'd be okay, um, we're surprisingly not. Yeah, it's a, it's almost the obvious things that we right. should have more of. I mean, 1911s. We are yeah. so weak on 1911s. I don't know if you've ever actually paid attention to that, but like, it's kind of sad. And also, we should have bought the singer from the Morphe's auction. Yeah, we can't afford that. Yeah, no, I know we can't, but we should have it. <laughs> we should have, but we can't but yeah, afford it. Yeah, we're surprisingly weak in 1911s. Um, it was even until recently, like... I just said we had a good World War II collection, but like filling out like the M1 carbine makers, we only were able to do that because yeah. of, a, of a donor that really cared about M1 carbines is like, hey, I'll help you guys finish out the collection. What do you need? Um, so even that was like filling out those makers was a, a bit, that was tough. Well, and silencers. We just, oh, I yeah. just did that filming earlier today and I literally was like, well, we, we love <laughs> silencer history and we've got some really great archives, but we have like three. Well, in like a way we have a really awesome this is, goes back to the point. It's like weirdly hit or miss because we have like one of three yeah. known to exist on a nineteen. But we don't have a surefire. We don't have a silencer yeah, code. We don't, we don't have, have you know stuff. a sig. Like we don't anything. And but I think I fixed that today. But um, you know, so those we don't have. You know, we just got three D printed guns in, which is really cool. But yeah, it's it's pretty rare what what we you know, or it's pretty weird what we don't have. And then you know, we don't have cheap guns a lot of the times i mean we've yeah. got like the old ivers and that kind of thing but like more we have old cheap guns but not modern but cheap not guns. modern cheap guns and 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 that's a part of history too you don't have right. to like it i mean it was how angry everybody got when i did that glock exhibition you mm-hmm. know it's it's you don't have to like it but it's still a part of history mm-hmm. and and so that we that should bring us to kind of the last big topic which is the concept of contemporary collecting so Contemporary collecting, I don't know, it was like real sexy when I was at the Smithsonian. Like everyone wanted to contemporary collect, but then it it also opens up this window of, but then you, are you now dictating what's important today? Um, and then also, how do you not get overwhelmed? So when I first be, you know came to Cody and I was the assistant curator, I started meeting with all these gun companies and they're all super jazzed about giving us one off the line every year because that's easy for them. That's way easier than money, you know. But then you start thinking about it and you go and like the shot show floor plan jumps into my brain and it's like, how could we possibly, you know, manage all of that? And then do you put it in like a temporary, like acquisition, like a non-permanent collection to wait X number of years, like a time capsule to decide to have someone in the future decide what stays out of that collection, what goes. I mean, like it's, it's a really difficult concept. If we did that, we'd literally have to have like a special warehouse like built to do that. I mean, it would become a huge volume of items so quickly that um, I think anyone that tried to do it would probably go insane if they didn't have a pretty big staff to do it. Because you're talking about collecting like one of every production model from like modern yeah. manufacturers, like that list gets insane really fast. Oh yeah. And so, you know, that's been a big conversation that like we've had over the years is yes, everyone's excited to have it. We'd love to have it, but now you need a good vetting system for what, com- you know, what's appropriate, you know, because it's not really for us to say today what is historically significant tomorrow. But then we can also say that probably since if you have guns that were made in the 1970s or more modern, like 
holler at your girl because like we're really really weak because it's basically when we, when winchester decided to send their collection over here we were like huzzah huzzah yeah yeah it was like our job is done yeah they <laughs> they sent the collection over and it's like this really cool historic collection then people think to give us historic guns and going back to like the people don't really think to give us cheap guns either like modern we have a lot of guns that would have been cheap in their day but people don't think people have their own preconceived notion of what is a museum gun and it's either expensive or really old and like the modern post-1970, it isn't old. It's not that expensive. And so it doesn't fall into the what should you give to a museum category. For the record, though, no, I don't want your rusted gun that you found in the creek behind your house. No, thank you. So I f- The Great Basin gun was like a special thing. And it's now at Great Basin National Park on display. And I'm, that's a great story. But not everyone's creek gun is cool. I will say Sorry. I've also noticed this when we're talking about contemporary collecting that museums are starting to have an internal debate about the ethics of contemporary collecting. Not just like, are we the ones to decide, but are we insisting people give us stuff before they should? Like, shouldn't these people be allowed to keep their artifacts for a while and like, I don't know. Enjoy them? Yeah, enjoy them or, you know, shouldn't people be allowed to have, like if something, if an event happens and somebody documents it with a journal or somebody has a piece like that was a part of that event, shouldn't they be allowed to keep that momentum? Moment, <laughs> I did it. <laughs> shouldn't they be allowed to keep that piece? That Mentos. Moment, momento. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast not sponsored by Mentos. Um, shouldn't they be allowed to keep that piece for their own reasons, like their own personal reasons, instead of just immediately having because some edgy museum person wants to contemporary collect? Um, also it reminds me of that YouTube video you just sent me of the comedian talking about the British empire stealing all the artifacts. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We don't want to be those people in 60 years. So I think I've been keeping an eye on time. I think we have enough time for us to each quickly name besides a Pedersen device. What is something you want for the collection? Um, mm, a full auto scar. All right. Because I can't have it. Okay. Or a PS, no, a P90. A P90, okay. I'm on an FN kick today. All right, fair enough. What do you want, Danny? The. <laughs> Tell me what you want, what you really, really want. <laughs> the World War II buff in me wants an FG42 for the collection. Oh, yeah, that'd be a good one. Um, I also really want to do a not an AR display of like, an AUG and an FNC and all that stuff. That'd be pretty cool. But that was too much like your answer, so I went with FG42. I, yeah. Also, I don't know anti-tank why. rifles. I want those. Oh, yeah, all of them. Oh, yeah, I want a Tigavera. Oh, wait, this podcast, new- this is what this podcast is supposed to be about. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, list, quick. <laughs> <laughs> a Tigavera would be so cool. The Smithsonian has one. And it's People just- ask us about that one semi-regularly. Like, hey, It's you- so weird looking. Have you ever seen one in person? Yeah. I mean, I know what they look like. Okay. The, Actually, have I seen one in person? I ha- I thought I had. And Am I a I, gun like history guy that has not seen a Tigavera? I person? thought I, I had, I and then I saw it at the Smithsonian and was like, what's that thing? <laughs> <laughs> what's so, that? So, yeah, so there is stuff that we want. It's it's kind of hard to, to quantify, though, a lot of the times. And no, we're not made of money. I wish we were. Uh, but that's, you know, we, hi, we put the not for in profit. We put the non in nonprofit. Yep. 
So, I think that was an episode. Not for profit. I'm embarrassing. All right. I think that was an episode. I so. think that was an episode. I don't know. Send us stuff, but like, don't inundate us. Because Danny doesn't have me to help him here in a few weeks. Mixed messages. Send us stuff, but don't. But don't. <laughs> Talk to you guys later. See ya. Mm-hmm.